This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for this Monday, the 5th of June. The forecast for today, mixture of sun and cloud, a little on the hazy side, and a high of 25 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, Olivia Chow appears to be cementing her majority. Number two, forest fire situation improves across Canada. Number three, outrage grows over Paul Bernardo's prison transfer. Number four, five teens arrested in a near-deadly Kennedy Station stabbing. And number five, Ukraine tells the world to pipe down as it prepares for a counteroffensive. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Hey, any day that starts with the police is going to be a good day. And I think over the weekend I saw an article about this being the, is, could it possibly be the 40th anniversary of the release of Synchronicity, which was the last album for the police, which was once pronounced in a poll of Britons to be the most pretentious album ever recorded. And it's true. I mean, anybody who's going to get all deep on, um, you know, obscure German philosophers and Carl Jung and written by Sting during an era where he was driving the other two guys nuts. That was always bound to be a very pretentious album. Anyway, let's start digging into the news as opposed to pop music, although I will always have an abiding love of pop culture and pop music. Olivia Chow, can somebody explain this to me? I'm not against Olivia Chow. If she becomes the mayor, I'm sure we'll have some sort of a relationship, but... I, I just can't quite understand why she is as popular as she is, unless Torontonians are just kind of lazy. And it's like, ah, oh, man, you know, I know all these people have been revealing their platforms and holding debates and running and shaking hands and kissing babies. But really, let's just go with the one that I knew. Olivia Chow has a commanding lead and she is apparently growing it. This is a survey that was conducted on Friday, and it revealed that Olivia Chow has the support now of 38% of decided voters. And actually, it's becoming less of an issue, the number of people who are undecided. 18% in this poll said they were undecided. So, I mean, the figure used to be a third. Increasingly, people are deciding where they're going to throw their vote. So the rest of the field, uh, this is a forum poll, incidentally, so take it for what you may believe it's worth. Uh, Chow is trailed by former police chief Mark Saunders. He has 13 percent. Josh Matlow, 12 percent. Anthony Fury, 10 percent, which I think is the first time in a legitimate poll that he breaks into the double digits. So I don't know if necessarily you can call that a surge. But I would say the person who has most changed their prospects, who has most persuaded new people to come over to their side, would be Anthony Fury. Uh, former counselor Anna Bailau, 8%. Mitzi Hunter, 7%. Brad Bradford, 5%. So according to the analysis of this poll, this is uh, Mr. Bazinoff. Uh, let's see, I'm looking, it's in Lawrence Bazinov, doesn't really matter. Uh, the guy 
who uh, basically interprets these polls, uh, says that Saunders is bleeding support to fury. And Hunter and Bailao are losing their left-leaning support to Olivia Chow. And polling since April has shown Chow growing support while Josh Matlow, 13-year city councillor, seems to have lost steam. Okay, so let's, let's review for a second. Uh, Left-wing support is bleeding from people like Matlow and Hunter and Bailao to Olivia Chow, who is consolidating her lead, which is substantial when you consider. I mean, she's got 38% of decided voters. The next person is the conservative, Mark Saunders, uh, 13%, who's no real threat to Olivia because... You know, he's he you got these two pillars, right? You've got a conservative and a liberal and the liberal is running away with it right now. So she doesn't need to worry about Mark Saunders. She needs to make sure she can hold on to the votes that she's bled away from other people. Saunders, meanwhile, is kind of splitting the difference with uh, Anthony Fury. So it's uh, it's an interesting field. You're welcome to weigh in on this at uh, 7 10, 10. always uh, interested in hearing your thoughts if you want to uh, text us. But I don't, you know, barring some incredibly bizarre development, looks like it's going to be Mayor Olivia Chow. And I'll come back to, I got no beef with Olivia Chow. I just can't quite understand why she is as popular as she is. And I will freely admit that I don't live in some kind of conservative bubble, although I do work for talk radio, which tends to trend conservative. But I don't know, aside from a couple of my neighbors who put up Olivia Chow signs over the last few days, I don't know of anybody who's voting for her. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a mystery. Meanwhile, yet another case of young teenagers being involved in a violent incident in the city. Uh, five suspects who were involved in a stabbing, a guy was stabbed twice. His condition is improving, but he went to the hospital with life-threatening injuries. Um, and the alleged stabbers are between the ages of 12 and 15. This happened Friday night, 8.15, at the Kennedy subway station. And, you know, I still, I, I, I'm at a complete loss to understand how a bunch of young people, I can, I can understand how a bunch of young people might get up some sort of strange shenanigans in a shopping mall one Friday night, how they end up stabbing somebody, uh, who knows. And it's not known if there's an established relationship between the victims. We may find out there's more to this story, but it's a little too reminiscent of the situation in downtown Toronto a few months ago where a bunch of kids on a Saturday night ended up surrounding a homeless man and apparently they were trying to steal his liquor but they stabbed him and so again you have these and in that case I mean these were teenagers who had no business at that hour of the night being in the in the city's downtown in this case you know, I don't know if they had any business to be at Kennedy Station because it was 8.15 on a Friday night. I guess it's almost understandable how they might be at liberty. Then we get to a story, and we'll unpack this in greater detail in just a moment. But 
I know that people are still talking about this. It'll be part of what Toronto's talking about at 5.45 on CP24. Paul Bernardo being moved to Quebec. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. And nobody knows when Ukraine will launch its counteroffensive. It is anticipated. It's going to be remarkable. I mean, the ability of Ukraine to defend itself is one thing, but actually pushing Russia out of occupied areas of Ukraine, perhaps even Crimea, and then chasing the Russians across the border into Russian territory, that would be absolutely extraordinary. You have to think, though, that waging war in these modern times is such a completely different affair because you you know where everybody is. I mean, you have the kind of surveillance where, you know, where personnel are, you know, where ships are, you know, where the tanks are, you know, where everybody is. So it's not exactly, I mean, the Germans were probably prepared for D-Day. It's just that they were overwhelmed in numbers, but there has been an aspect of surprise in invasions that no longer exists at all. And actually, one last note on all of this, there was an incident several months ago where Russian soldiers were holed up in a building and they were using their cell phones. And so the Ukrainians knew exactly where they were and they just blew the hell out of it and uh, took out who knows how many Russians, all because of the fact that they could be traced by their technology. Back to local, and we will be, it's always a sad appointment, but he's, he's such a good and decent man. And by all understanding, uh, Timothy Danson, the lawyer who has represented the families of Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka's victims for decades, uh, Timothy Danson has done that for free. And so there are probably every couple of years, we end up in conversation on the radio show as he advances the interests of the family and decries some of the outrageous things that have happened over the last few years. The latest would be Paul Bernardo being moved to a medium security prison in Quebec. Now, Lama Casa is not a country club, but I think most people would be happy to think that Paul Bernardo was locked in his cell for 23 hours a day at a maximum security facility and basically enjoyed no privileges. And there would be no pathway to any form of lighter treatment, if we can put it that way. But uh, for a decade, Bernardo has been at the Millhaven Institution near Kingston. Before that, he was at Kingston Penitentiary, which is now closed. Both of those are maximum security prisons. For some reason, he was transferred to La Macaza in Quebec, which is in the Laurentians. And the reasoning for his transfer has not been released. The Corrections Canada has cited Bernardo's privacy rights in response to any and all inquiries of why he was transferred. The French and Mahaffey families were informed through um, the, uh, the lawyer who has represented them, he says it was a very, very upsetting thing. You know, I did the quick math this morning before we started the show. Kristen French was 15 in 1992 when she was murdered. She would be 47 years old today. Leslie Mahaffey was 14 in 1991. 
she would be turning 47 in July if she were still with us. Just think of those years stolen away from those girls and then the years stolen away from their families in their company. Who would they have become? What would they be doing? What kind of careers might they have had? What kind of relationships? What, what children? But all stolen away by Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka, who has been at large for years. I mean, Carla Homolka, I always wonder, you know, how she explains to her children, because she has children. I, I never even understand how some guy decided that this was the woman he wanted to be involved with. And she has children. And they inevitably, thanks to the internet, know who she is. How do you talk about that? And I'm sure my mom had a few secrets about some things that happened in her life, but I don't think she participated in the rape and murder of her sister and of uh, two young women. So um, for those, you know, some guy on my Twitter feed this weekend was saying, oh, look at that, Justin Trudeau made sure. No, the federal government has no operational control over where prisoners are incarcerated or frankly what they get sentenced to or whether they get parole that is not nobody's sitting in the pmo going you know we got to do something nice for paul bernardo minister of public safety marco mendicino called the transfer quote shocking and incomprehensible and says he stands with the victims families and canadians who were appalled by the decision this will be the first chance for some of our pundits to weigh in on that story. Scott Reed will be here at 6.20 in the morning brief. And then, of course, we have the roundtables at 7.45 and 8.45. And then we have, you know, th this is not a debatable. It's, it's just a really, really sad story. We have four kids and one man who have been found dead following a fishing accident in Quebec. And apparently what happened is this is a kind of fishing where you the the tide goes out and you go to the water's edge and you throw in nets you don't fish with rods and and reels you fish with nets except that when the tide comes back it sometimes comes back fast and in this case it appears to have come back and enveloped these people a uh, big question people have is were they wearing uh, vests probably not and so we've got uh, five kids out of a group of, a, or five individuals incidentally, out of a group of 11 people who were fishing and caught off guard by the rising tide. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. All right, there's a certain irony to this tune coming up in the lineup. It is loser, right? Okay, well, Olivia Chow is anything but a loser. If we're looking at the poll numbers that are freshest today she is not only continuing to lead but she's consolidating her lead in the race for the mayoralty in toronto so uh this poll was conducted on friday chow has the support of 38 percent of decided voters notable that fewer people are saying they're undecided so the gel is starting to set 18 percent say they're undecided but take all of the people who say they have decided. You got Chow with 38%, Mark Saunders in second place with 13. I mean, that is a massive lead. Uh, Josh Matlow, 12%. Anthony Fury, uh, definitely surging, 10%. Anna Bailao, 8%. Former Liberal MPP Mitzi Hunter, 7%. Brad Bradford at 5%. 
Meanwhile, uh, Fury's getting some interesting endorsements. I don't know how meaningful it is when Conrad Black endorses you. I mean, I don't know that Conrad Black is necessarily sort of uh, a mainstream core voter in the city of Toronto. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if he got his paperwork back in time that he can vote in this particular race. You may remember that he gave up his Canadian citizenship so he could become a lord. And that was a yes, entirely admittedly a spat between him and Jean Chrétien. But I took Chrétien's side at the time. Not that anybody was you know, taking attendance, because I'm sorry, you to become a lord in the UK, it just, I, I'm sure it's a lot of fun and it comes with some lovely robes, but technically, not even technically, uh, by law now, you cannot be a, um, you cannot hold British honors and be a Canadian citizenship and offered the choice. Conrad Black made the choice and he quit his Canadian citizenship. He recently, according to a report I was looking at, uh, regained it. But enough about Conrad Black. Uh, he's endorsed Anthony Fury. And it seems the principal reason is because he really, really hates bike lanes. Writes his lordship, Fury is the only serious candidate who really wants to roll back the corrosive despotism of the bicycle lanes that are strangling Toronto streets. This is a guy who I'm sure has not ridden a bike in 70 years. Uh, Chow is a peppy and in policy terms, aggressive cyclist. It is a symbolic issue. It starts from the premise that carbon dioxide is raising the Earth's temperature and confers on urban cyclists the undeserved mantle of fitness-seeking warriors for the preservation of the planet. In fact, as anyone who thinks about it for three seconds knows, the lanes are little used and almost completely unused for five cold months of the year and are really just a method for enforced technological regression and the coercion of the... Okay, what? First of all, Conrad Black, and I'm sure he's not listening, but anyway, you know, maybe he gets transcripts. I well, you'll find out soon enough. Oh, I will. I mean, you know, he sends me texts once in a while. Uh, years and years ago, he, I, got, I got an email saying, why have you not responded to my invitation to dinner? I said, I'm sorry. And it turned out he'd written some John Moore guy uh, who lives in the Maritimes. Um, so, no, I have not been there for dinner. And frankly, it seems all too Citizen Kane for me anyway. Um, but what, what Conrad Black is ignoring in this is, you know, people don't get around on a bike because they're trying to save the planet. They get around on a bike because, A, it's easier, B, it's enjoyable, three, maybe they can't afford a car. So this is a bit of a, an, an interesting premise to imagine that everybody on a bicycle is just some sort of indignant uh, environmental warrior. And I know Jerry and I disagree about this one all the time, but because he'll always say, do you know the percentage of people who commute to work in Toronto is 2%? That's not the issue. The issue is how many people are just like me? I drive to work in the morning because it doesn't make any sense to do it any other way. However, when I go to the grocery store, I hop on my bike because the grocery store is three blocks away and that's the best way to do it. And there's nowhere to park the car anyway. That it's like a third of trips that the average person takes is on a bicycle. And not only that, but 50% of the people who live in the old city of Toronto at the very least don't even own a car. 
increasingly they're building condo buildings. They don't put parking in them because people don't need it because people don't drive cars. So the idea of the indignant Lord of Cross Harbor traveling around in the back seat of a chauffeur-driven car and getting mad about the occasional cyclist he sees, even if his Fudora is probably coming along by bike on a bike path, is somewhat amusing, to say the very least. Let's listen in, actually, because um, we have a portion of a report that kind of brings us up to speed where we are on this Monday, June 5th, when it comes to the election, which is now just 21 days away. At the opening of her campaign office, Mitzi Hunter spoke again of her tiered property tax plan. It is about taxes. It is about who's being clear and straight with the voters. And the only candidate who has released my entire three-year plan, I'm the only one. Anna Bailau spent the morning meeting with voters in Etobicoke and tweeted about her plan to invest $2 million in arts and culture. As thousands rode in the bike for brain health, Brad Bradford was among them, celebrating the funds raised to find a cure for dementia. Mark Saunders announced plans to open new off-leash dog parks. Today's announcement is about safety. Dogs need a lot of space to run and play and have fun. And this can't be done on a schoolyard. We need to keep schools safe and clean. Josh Matlow spoke with CP24 this weekend, working to set himself apart from the pack. I've got people just coming toward our campaign who believe in our values, believe in what I want to do for Toronto. And Anthony Fury canvassed and met with voters in Scarborough. That was uh, Alison Hurst reporting for CTV. And uh, yeah, it just does feel like they're all sort of coming around the bend in the home stretch, that we've reached that point in a race where somebody rings a bell and we all know that this is, this is the part that counts. Uh, speaking of things, municipal things, I know that Brad Bradford was saying that he wanted to retrofit Toronto subway stations to put in barriers. So effectively, it'd be like when you take the Up Express there would be a glass wall between you and the subway. The subway would pull in. It would line up with doors. The doors would open. The subway doors would open. You'd go in and out. But effectively, this would make everybody safer. It would stop suicides and presumably those rare but terrifying moments where somebody is pushed onto the tracks. So that is going to be how they build the subway when they build the Ontario line. But the TCC is now revealing that when they renovate the Bloor Young Station, at the very least, the Bloor portion of it is going to be retrofitted with these kind of doors at a cost of $1.5 billion, which, of course, means it's, you know, means it's going to be $2 billion. But um, interesting to see that these uh, changes are coming. And frankly, I have no, fur no further thoughts because I don't know if that's going to necessarily stop suicides. I don't know where the suicides actually take place, uh, you know, which stations are worse than others. I do know that it happens, according to a report that I read a couple of years ago, about twice a month. All right, time for another edition of What Toronto's Talking About, and we bring in News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, hope you had a great weekend. Good to see you. Nice to see you. Hey, John, good morning. Okay, so let's talk about this. It appears there is no stopping Olivia Chow. The latest numbers out from Forum Research this morning uh, showing that she's extending her lead, getting up to close to 40% of decided voters. 
And that's just it. She's already been the front runner, but it mm-hmm. begins to look like she's cementing that. She's at 38 percent of decided voters, and the number of decided voters is down, which is quite relevant. We're down to 18 percent who say they haven't made up their minds yet. Uh, drawing up in back of Olivia Chow are uh, Mark Saunders, 13 percent, Councillor Josh Matlow, 12 percent, former Toronto Sun columnist Anthony Fury's in the double digits now with 10 percent, Ina Bailao, 8 percent, and Mitzi Hunter at 7%. Brad Bradford bringing up the rear at 5 So uh, it's Olivia Chow's race definitely to lose, and mm-hmm. it's been interesting to watch her sort of surf above the whole campaign yeah. because she doesn't really have all that much of a concrete plan, it seems. Mm. It's true. Yeah. yeah, I was listening to you uh, while I was driving in, John, and you were just like, Olivia Chow, you know, what kind of explains her popularity at this point? And uh, hopefully we'll find some answers to the questions, but she's no doubt leading. Uh, turning to this now, John, 48 active for fires in northern Ontario and 31 in the northeast as of Sunday. Things are actually improving across Canada, but yes, we're probably going to see some of the effects of these 48 fires that are burning in northern Ontario. We had rain in Nova Scotia, so that brought things under control. Apparently, they are 100% contained now. Situation also improving in Alberta. Um, But now everybody has to regroup, especially in the Halifax area, where between 150 and 200 homes were lost. Yeah, that's awful. Just the devastation, of course. And they said, what you go back to is likely not what you left. Yeah. Uh, In the meantime, John, story that sort of broke after uh, probably the three of us had left for the day on Friday. Paul Bernardo transferring to a more medium security prison. The lawyer for the family is joining your program this morning uh, just after seven o'clock. This really rattled a lot of people and upset a ton. Yeah, and people are going to be talking about this a great deal today. I suspect it's going to be one of the big debatables on our show, perhaps on yours as well. Paul Bernardo, notorious rapist and serial killer, was transferred to the Lamacaza Institution in Quebec. The big difference is he's been in maximum security ever since he was convicted. This is medium security. It's no country club, but an awful lot of people are outraged, including the public safety minister, Marco Mendicino, saying the transfer was shocking and incomprehensible, and he wants an accounting for from uh, Corrections Canada Mm -hmm. as to why it happened in the first place. He's not alone. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. All right, turning to a tragic situation in Quebec, John, a fishing accident has claimed the life of a Quebec man as well as four children there. Apparently, this is uh, not a regular thing because this is a tragic death, but people have known for the longest time that the way that they fish for this particular fish in northern Quebec is that they go down when the tidewaters are out, they throw in nets, but then the tidewaters come back Mm. and people can be trapped. So we have uh, five people who died, one adult and uh, four minors, all of them older than 10 degrees, all lost to this tragedy. Wow, just an awful, awful, hard to imagine that, John. Uh, let's wrap it up here. Is it mysophoma, misophonia? I'm not sure how to pronounce this word, but research suggests one in five of us are suffering from high-stress reaction to just everyday sounds. Yeah, I don't necessarily want to mock anybody if they are genuinely <laughs> suffering, but this sounds like a pretty precious disorder. Uh, <laughs> people who are annoyed by chewing, crunching, pen clicking, mm. coughing, uh-huh. slurping, it's called misophonia, which literally translates as hatred of sound. And new research from King's College London and Oxford University has found it affects one in five people. Says one person, loud swallowing makes me want to punch someone. Wow. I have to leave the room. Another person says, 
the noise of crunching potato chips is enough to make me want to beat someone with my shoe. Wow. <laughs> this is hilarious. I have a touch of this, I think. <laughs> no, my husband definitely. So my middle son, who is his birthday today. Happy birthday, Brendan. He learned how to whistle. And since then, he's been whistling around the house. And my husband said to me, it's really cute, but it really bothers me. All I hear is him... <laughs> Right. Oh God! Whistling All could be terrible. All throughout the house, yeah. and he can't stand it. Yeah. And it's his own son. <laughs> oh, it's God. hilarious. Yeah. yeah, I think we all have a little bit of that. Like you said, John, yeah. a little bit precious, but nevertheless, appreciate <laughs> you bringing that to us. That's John Moore. You can catch him live five to nine Monday to Friday on oh, News Talk Ten Ten. It's also John's birthday because oh. he oh. shared the same birthday Happy as my birthday, son. Happy John birthday, John Moore! John Moore. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. The cat's out of the bag. Although some loyal listeners, including. Guy who calls himself Blind Gordy have already sent me greetings. Thank you very much. And you know, John, you were born on the 23rd Sunday of the year you were born. Yes. How do you, you looked that up? Of course. Oh, okay. I was born on Sunday. What is the poem? I'm going to have to go look it up. There's this poem about the attributes of people depending on the day that they're born. And Sunday is sort of like you're just very sweet, which I am. That's occasionally. True. Yeah. Uh, the whole sequence with uh, Jennifer Shung is interesting because she and I ended up being out a couple of times last week. If you follow some of the CP24 people on social media, you know that um, Bill Coulter, the meteorologist, is out every single night of the week. I can't keep up, but I occasionally join him. And twice last week, I joined him and Jennifer. And that was my first chance to kind of get to know Jennifer. And she's absolutely delightful. But somehow we got into some discussion about birthdays, and she was absolutely so charmed to discover that I had the same birthday as one of her two sons. And so that's why she remembers now that it's my birthday today. And there's nothing more to be said, so let's just keep moving. Oh, and no, no, there's a lot more useless information. You were one of, two, one of 323,545 babies born on your, your same day as you. In the world? Uh, in uh, North America. In North America. That's an average of 225 babies per minute. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's an interesting image, isn't it? <laughs> All those babies. Later next time, I'll tell you where your birthday is in Roman numerals. Okay. Good stuff. Um, they're kind of mucking around with Roman numerals these days, you know, because when we got to, I think, 50 for the Super Bowl, it became problematic because it was going to start spelling strange things out. So they've actually reinvented Roman numerals in order to continue to observe that custom and tradition when it comes to um, Super Bowl. Okay. Um, I, I'm still processing this because it only just got posted, but Brian Lilly has an interesting column today. And it's all about the fact that he's been trying to get to the bottom of what is not working on the Eglinton Crosstown. And we also have been endeavoring to do the same thing. I, it's, at the moment, you know, I haven't even been able to double source it. So it's nothing more than a rumor. But there certainly seems to be considerable backup to it. The story, as it is being told in some circles, is that somebody made a pretty significant engineering error on the Eglinton Crosstown, and it's expensive, time-consuming to correct, and so embarrassing that they're not talking about it. And they really have gone dark like a Russian submarine at, at, at 
you know, um, Metrolinks. They haven't issued any statement. When you call and ask for comment, they won't say anything. So Brian Lilly filed access to information requests and he's getting nowhere on it. They're stonewalling him and they're asking for money. They say, well, it's going to take us you know, time. Really? Is it going to take you that much time to go into your desk drawer or your computer system and pull out those emails that say, we really screwed this up? Is that going to be that time consuming for you? With all due respect, because you know what? I got lots of friends at Metrolinx. I'm a huge light rail fan. But if you guys have screwed it up, it's time to go on record. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.